Good evening, this is FPL Teacher speaking, bringing you part 4, the finale of this 4-part series titled FPL Gold, The Cheat Sheet. Sometime in university a long time ago, I thought it was a brilliant idea when university exams basically allowed you to write literally anything you wanted on an A4 sheet of paper to bring into the exam hall. And that philosophy, I find is a very effective one that carries on until today. So, for FPL purposes, this episode is about you. What you can do, what you can write down in a simple A4 sheet of paper as Game Week 1 starts. Because what we do before Game Week 1 is basically dictated by a majority of the community because there's no such thing as a top 10k ownership percentage. What you see on the website is what you get. But what you do after game week one really depends on what your team is, how you did, and basically what plans you made before game week one and how you react to it. This episode is about what you can do to make your thought process systematic so that you know what your biases are, when to prove yourself wrong, and how to move forward from there. Picture this, the final whistle blows at the London Stadium where Manchester City has just beaten West Ham 1-0. Courtesy of a Kevin De Bruyne assist but nothing else relevant. Everyone's panicking because there were multiple goal scorers on Saturday night and prices will change in approximately 9.5 hours. What do you do? Fortunately, the first part of the cheat sheet basically looks at potential targets Because top of your list between game weeks 1 and 2 is basically who you would have bought if you did not have them in game week 1. So this is what I am proposing. It's not necessarily a do or die, make or break sort of cheat sheet, but it is definitely a cheat sheet that has worked for myself over the past few seasons. And by having a plan for players that you do not own in game week 1, you basically prepare for the worst before it begins. Now, what you do in your A4 cheat sheet here in this first section of recording, what I will suggest is that you take one quarter of the top part of your cheat sheet and you list down the top three players who you think will hurt your rank in each position. Do not count goalkeepers because goalkeepers never hurt your rank. But For defenders, pick the top three players who you think will hurt your position. Pick the top three players who you think will hurt you in midfield. And pick the three worst players, your three worst never sees up front. List them and then basically figure out whether you can use one free transfer or one free transfer and a hit to bring them in before game week two. This is basically preparing for Armageddon and you should have ideally nine lines with nine separate plans of who you should get. Now, let's say you have multiple players that you do not own that all fired at the same time. This is the worst of the worst scenario. So what happens here is that number one, you have a list of nine players already and nine separate plans to bring them in. So you should still have a little bit of space on the top right after you've brought those players in. So leave a small column on the far top right-hand side of your cheat sheet and basically put priority numbers next to them. Now, I'm going to give a short example here and 
I'm going to go with the easiest examples for my team personally. The three biggest threats to my midfield. Number one, Hyung Min Son. Number two, Kevin De Bruyne. And number three, Luis Diaz. Three players in relatively premium brackets that are differentials against my team because I have decided to put my money on Harry Kane up front as well as Mohamed Salah and Ria Mahrez in midfield. So really, at this stage, the way I prioritize my transfers between these three players, Son, Haaland, and potentially Kevin De Bruyne. Oh, sorry, Luis Diaz, my mistake. So what I would do here is that I would put priority number one on the player that would hurt me the most in terms of emotions because FPL in the end is an emotional game. And between Sun, Diaz, and Kevin De Bruyne, I can miss out on De Bruyne and Diaz's returns even though they hurt my rank. But if I miss out on Sun and I get a red arrow because I do not own Sun Hyung Min, that is a room. Uh, that is a move that I basically would rule and regret because the thought process of owning Kane over Son is that he was zero point five million cheaper. Now at this stage, I would have had in my plans that I sacrifice Kane for Son, and I would probably drop Pedro Neto to a five million midfielder to make up the money, or alternatively, I would have had zero point five million in the bank to turn, yeah, Kane and somebody else into Son for the same price. Now, this is just an example, and I hope that you understand this format of this section of the podcast as it will be a repeatable thing in the next section. So, in conclusion, have three players that threaten your team in each position, defense, midfield, and forward. In the middle section of the top part of your cheat sheet, write down plans in one free transfers or one free transfer plus one hit, how you would get those players if you want them. And then on the far right side, put priorities in terms of how badly they would hurt you emotionally if they fire and you don't own them. One being the most hurtful, three being, eh, you know, I can ignore him. I don't think he'll do well down the line anyway. A little bit of experience from my university days. There's no point putting basic formulas on your cheat sheet because you're meant to have memorized all these things before the exam. What you truly put in the middle section where you instantly see and you instantly use during the exams are the complicated ideas that you have spent time and effort condensing into a half page. And it starts from the top one quarter of your page and it goes all the way down to the bottom quarter of your page where you only look at that section when you need it the most when you tackle the hardest questions. Similarly in FPL, it's best to invest that half of the page in the most complicated thought process of your team, which is basically the starting 11 where you've put most of your money. Now, I understand that in some cases you would have put your strategy into the first 12 rather than the first 11 like myself. I specifically put a 4.5 million defender as my first sub, simply because my strategy revolves around using my first sub. But if you have revolved your opening strategy around the first 11 only, that's fine as well. Now, what you do is that you leave some space. You can, you know, coordinate your, organize your layout however you want. But basically, 
I make it similar to my top quarter where I have the names of the players on the left but the middle section as obvious as possible all I do is write down red flags now as an example um, it's important to have a player for a certain reason and I think it's reasonable. In fact, for premium players especially, there are multiple reasons to own a player. Harry Kane being penalty taker, talisman, good preseason form, breaking his August curse likely, and being a striker in his prime, supported by good wingbacks, Son Heung-min, and Quanta. No problems. And all this are basically the obvious basic formulas that you would have in your exams. No point in writing them down. What's more important is what you would need to see in order to sell Harry Kane. So in my case, the first name on my team sheet was actually Muhammad Salah. And it was not because of his explosive returns or it's not because of his ability as a world-class player or his tactics under club. Nothing of the sort. I own Muhammad Salah because I am off the belief that none of the players in the same team that are cheaper than him will be able to quote-unquote cover his returns. So Luis Diaz, for example, for, sorry, 5 million cheaper this season, I just noticed that Luis Diaz doesn't get in the goals when Liverpool are 1-0 up. He just isn't in the position to score big chances because he is simply a hustler that moves into areas to receive the ball, whether he shoots or not is another story. This was exactly the case when Liverpool beat Norwich 6-1 or something like that, and Luis Diaz did not get anything all the way until the final goal. Sorry, it was not 6-1, it was 3-1. And yeah, basically what happened was that Luis Diaz was in a decent position, but not one where he would poach a big chance, but the ball came to him anyway because of the strong passing quality from midfield. So, in that sense, I hope everyone understands that we are writing down red flags here. And the red flag doesn't have to involve the actual player himself. So, in this particular case, the red flag for Mohamed Salah is that Luis Diaz starts scoring goals, having big chances even, after Liverpool go 1-0 up. So the red flag is not about Salah, it's actually about Luis Diaz or Darwin Nunes. Alright, now for the interesting part of the cheat sheet. The bottom quarter is basically the part of the sheet that never gets looked at. Because intuitively, we never actually go straight to the bottom of the page. Unless there is a dotted line that we have to put our pen on. In that sense, for FPL, there is literally nothing you can put there, even as a footnote. And in my personal experience, what I do is that I put the most interesting things at the bottom, niche problems, questions that I've never solved, so that at least if I come across these topics or questions in exams, I have a head start. I have a lead into what I cannot solve, if it appears. So... In FPL terms, there are plenty of things that we've never solved, or at least things that we've seen in preseason that we would love to expand on that we never ever touch on. Threats from other teams, from other content creators, new stats especially, or even a tactical write-up that we've seen, or 
sometimes for myself, what I do is that I put reminders of mistakes that I've made early last season. Buying injury-prone players that are coming back from injury, such as Dominic Calvert-Lewin or Patrick Bamford. Never buy punts from promoted teams. Never pick up a premium midfielder by selling one that isn't injured. Things like that, that remind you across the season. Once in a while, you know, just look for something interesting that make you go, okay, I shall do this because I'm learning my lesson from last season. So, by using this bottom quarter of the spreadsheet in the most creative way, the layout of it can also be equally creative. You can put all your reminders on the right instead of the left as a list. You can target specific players such as the number 10 position, the playmaker Trekatista role that should surface in certain teams like Wolves. Morgan Gibbs White is a very good example. Um, if James Madison leaves, there's rumours that, there's speculation, sorry, that Kieran Dewsbury Hall could pop up in the number 10 position as such. So, really, things that have yet to be explored, I feel, can definitely be put in the bottom quarter of the page simply for the times across the season between game weeks where you go, you know what, I'm looking for something new. I'm looking for players to put on my watch list. And as I go through the 20 teams on FPL, I look at my notes and I just look at the bottom quarter of the page and I go, you know what? I shall look for the number 10 position player in each team. Is it still Andres Pereira or Fulham? Is it somebody else for Bournemouth? Is it Morgan Gibbs-White still for Wolves? Who knows? And in that case, it focuses your attention on the players that matter, yet fascinating to you. In a nutshell, the FPL cheat sheet basically details your plans from game weeks 2 onwards. The top quarter consists of threats to your team. Three from each position, perfect. And exact plans on how you would get them because you have that prepared before this game week already. In the middle section, you have reasons to ditch your players because sometimes red flags are more obvious and more important than the multiple green flags that you've owned a player for. And in the bottom section, keep it interesting, keep it refreshing, get some new tactical news or some insights that you've yet to expand on or explore because the Premier League is an ever-evolving league and teams innovate in order to survive. Teams innovate in order to win Premier League titles as well as challenge for Europe. So with the caliber of managers and players in the league, well, Frank Lampard. Who knows what will pop up this season. This is FPL Teacher Speaking concluding this four-part series and I hope to see you in the regular season where I will consistently create short analyses for your viewing and for your listening.